Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Hey, we're talking digital transformation again, and this is Digital Voices, as you know, and we are all about digital voices across the entire healthcare continuum to include payers and providers and retail and big tech and pharmacy and all of the life sciences. And included in that mix are individuals and leaders that help us with this whole concept of digital transformation. So I'm excited to have with us today, Eric Langsher. He is with Abundant Venture Partners and it's really a purpose-based incubator focused on improving the human condition, which I love Eric, because that's why I like you so much as a person and someone to work with because you're like a real person uh, with the uh, right priorities. Uh, so welcome to our show. Thanks, Ed. It's great to be with you. Yeah, and we're going we're gonna to jump right in it in just a minute. I also want to introduce our audience to DJ Sid. So DJ Dan D has since moved on. So really appreciated everything Dan D did for us in terms of launching this podcast. And we're the top 25% of all podcasts right now on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen from. So thank you, Dan D, for helping us be successful and launch really strong outside of the gate. Thanks to great guests like uh, Eric today. But with D DJ Sid, we want to give her an opportunity to just really quickly introduce herself since you'll be hearing more and more of her voice. DJ Sid, tell us about yourself. Thanks, Ed. I'm super happy to be here. Um, I know I got some big shoes to fill with Dan, but definitely looking forward to it and excited to learn some new things and speak to all these great people. Um, I just graduated from the University of Florida, and I'm originally from Tampa, Florida, which is where I moved back to now. I'm actually getting my own place at the end of this month, so looking forward to that. I... I am account executive with Tech Mahindra right now, and when I'm not working, I usually try to work out and um, binge watch Netflix shows and go to the beach with my friends. Hey, that sounds that sounds like a great life right there, right? There. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. All right, so. When I first met Eric, was probably just actually only a year and a half ago. Of course, I've, I've heard about Eric before and the companies that he's launched, including Avia. Uh, but I just like really felt the connection just because, like, as I mentioned already, Eric, you're just like a real person, unpretentious, and, and you like to have a great time while doing good in the world. So that's my kind of people. So, you know, the standard question we have, Eric, for everyone is what type of music do you like? What are your favorite bands or songs? What do you like to listen to? Oh, thanks, Ed. I mean, that's just, uh, for me, an impossible question to answer. I'm a, I'm a child of the 60s and 70s, so I was raised on classic rock. My parents listened to classical music and dragged us to the symphony and orchestra and, and opera, which, of course, we ended up doing to our children. And then over the years, with now uh, adult kids, we, we share a family Spotify account. So, you know, we love to share playlists, and they're constantly turning us on to new vital vibrant music which is just great yeah no that's really cool and what about your you know you're a very purpose-filled type purpose person what what is your personal message or mantra or maybe words that you live by oh um you know i think I, I, my answer is is probably pretty rote to that question you know i, I i'm passionate about my family i'm passionate about my work 
you know, there's nothing, nothing particularly original about that, you know, but I'm, I'm also deeply committed to my spiritual practice, which includes uh, a deep commitment to mindfulness and meditation. I think you may know, Ed, that I, I chair the board of Mindful Communications, which is one of the world's leading uh, media and well-being training company with Mindful Magazine and Mindful.org and LifeXT, Life Cross Training Training. So really passionate about this, this topic of well-being and, um, you know, and, and health, mental health. Yeah. Yeah, I hope to drop into that a little bit because I know that you've written a New York Times bestseller. And so I always like to talk about some of the things that people wrote. Eric, a little bit into your introduction. Do you want to share anything else with our audience before we jump in on digital transformation? Oh, the only thing to say is, you know, there's there some people who have managed careers which are very strategic in nature and really, you know, really um, precise. And mine has been the opposite of that. It was a complete accident. I got my first job out of college in the aerospace business and ended up spending 13 years with United Technologies and then a few years with Bombardier Aerospace before becoming a healthcare entrepreneur in, in 2000 and starting my first business with my wife and have been you know, deeply committed to healthcare ever since. I, I love it. I'm passionate about it. I'm a student of it and I love entrepreneurship and, um, you know, and, and also projects that, that feel like I'm, I'm, I'm doing something meaningful with my life energies. Yeah, no, I love that. And we, we did already touch on the, on the book at a high level. So let's, let's talk about that right now and then we'll move on sort of into healthcare, digital transformation. Uh, but I was really, you want to share with the audience the title of your book? I was really struck by the title and, and just some of the, you know, the thinking behind the book. Yeah, it's called Start Here, uh, Master the Lifelong Habit of Wellbeing, published by Simon & Schuster um, in the U.S. and then internationally by uh, Hachette LaRousse. We, um, you know, I, I grew up uh, as an anxious kid and I turned into an anxious adult. And the thing about it is I never knew that I had anxiety. I just essentially I lived with a stomachache. And, you know, I would wake up in the middle of the night, I'd have 3 a.m. brain, my eyes would open, my brain would turn on, and I wouldn't be able to fall back asleep. So I developed a, a pretty rocking sleeping pill habit. And you know, one day, and this is, this is a little cliche, I'm, I'm the first to admit, but, you know, in and around my 40th birthday, and I'm 58 now, I, I decided I wanted to, to do something about this this feeling of of um, you know the stomachache, and I I um, I labeled it as anxiety, and I just had the the uh, the instinct that there were probably some pretty good thinkers who had come before me who knew something about how to live a good life. So I I picked up uh, philosophy. I you know, started to read the the ancient uh, Romans and Greeks and the modern American. Uh, transcendentalists and, and European existentialists. And, and, you know, you do anything long enough, one, one develops pattern recognition. And I started to see that, you know, the pattern recognition that, and also with the, with spiritual teachers as I, I kind of became a student of, of religion. And what, um, what I detected was that all these big thinkers really had very similar things to say about a life well-lived and about well-being. So I got, pretty curious about that. And because I'm driven to always find the most efficient way to go from A to B, I, I became interested in well, what about these practices actually work? So, you know, a good example is, is compassion 
or gratitude. You know, all the spiritual teachers and, 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 and thinkers yeah. talk about compassion. Well, as it turns out that, you know, the neuro neurobiologists today and the scientists can actually answer the question, you know, how does compassion or how does gratitude or how does meditation um, actually change our brain and change our experience of being alive? So, so I, um, I developed a little framework for myself and um, I teamed up with uh, a great friend, uh, Nate Clamp, and we decided we were going to write Start Here. And essentially what we did was summarize uh, this this body of philosophical and spiritual thought, we um, included the you know most most really cutting edge and advanced scientists who validated who validated this uh, this thinking. We distilled it into nine practices that have scientific support, and we you know we really walked the reader through you know what those nine practices are, and. Um, and what was great is the market just, you know, rea has reacted so positively to the book. It became, yeah. as you mentioned, uh, a New York Times bestseller, and it still sells really well. And we built a company around it, Life Cross Training, and we merged that with Mindful. And so now we're we're really deep in it, and and we touch millions of people, you know, every day about yeah. you know about this topic and and helping them, you know, navigate uh, their own lives and and get to a place where they they just feel better. Yeah, no, it's great practical advice in there and a highly recommended. So let's switch gears then and go into sort of healthcare digital transformation. You also co-founded a managing partner with Avia. And tell us a little bit about the genesis of Avia and what Avia does. So Avia started about eight years ago and we knew that digital was a thing and it was coming. You know, it didn't take a lot of insight to, uh, to, to figure that out. But one of the um, you know one of the great things about our, our healthcare delivery system in this country is for the most part it's pretty local it's pretty regional, and what we what we saw was that you know um, many health systems uh, who have very similar strategic plans were going about you know solving this puzzle and you know asking the question how do we deal with this thing called innovation how do we deal with digital how do we deal with transformation and doing it independently. And we just had the insight, well, what if we just built a purpose-built machine to help them by pooling collective wisdom and, and really assembling the world's experts in these topics that health systems need to grapple with to help them on the journey in a way that's just extremely efficient, not just financially, but efficient with their own time. Because we, we, you know, we get the joke that um, it's... it's um, it's it's busy out there for these healthcare leaders. I mean, there's just there's more to do than they have time. So I teamed up with uh, my partner Ted Mizell, who, in addition to being a uh, a brilliant think thinker and a seasoned operator, uh, he's an accomplished investor and and a wonderful guy. And we we set out to build Avia, and here we are now. It's the you know the world's leading network of its kind. It's the uh, you know most sophisticated health systems and and not. Who have come together to say, you know, we are we are serious about transforming the way that we deliver care in a way that you know supports our growth as a business, our ability to deliver value and capture value, and it's it's a really remarkable enterprise. Yeah, I've I've had the good fortune of of working with a few of my friends, different peers at different health systems, who are part of the Avia consortium or family and they always rave about it. So I think you have uh, met the mark in terms of 
what you were trying to accomplish. So you mentioned at a high level, Eric, some of the you know broad themes that providers are grappling with. You know this whole you know transformation, innovation. What are can you go a layer deeper? Like what are some of the things? Maybe it's virtual care or something. But what are the, some of the things that you're seeing uh, successful health systems? implement and execute on, you know, in order to help them with this whole concept of digital transformation and innovation? Sure. Well, <laughs> you know, this is, uh, I'm going to have to be concise because it's, it's a big question. Uh, but a few of the big ones, right? Consumerism. Every, every health system in the country has on their strategic plan, you know, this notion of being more consumer centric and, you know, more, um, you know, increasing access, delivering virtual care and, and, and. Uh, but there's a lot that falls into it. And and right now there's a fight going on for share, um, you know, that's happening in a way where, you know, some providers aren't even seeing, right? It, it's happening to them. And the question isn't anymore, are you competing with the uh, the health system across the street? But you're you're com really competing with not just a health system, but a, but a new entrant uh, to, you know, to um, healthcare. Um, you know, in, in so many of these domains that that have that have you know in their very DNA, a consumer centric, a consumer oriented sort of uh, way. And of course, you know, Health Next is uh, is a smart play to, you know, to address this giant need because um, it's a, you know it, it's a complicated it's you know it's a complicated thing. So every you know okay, so it's great uh, we're going to become consumer focused, but that's inactionable as a strategy. So what we've done right. with Avi is we, we double click on it. And what we've seen is there's you know, 64 distinct capabilities that need to be knit together to make that happen. And we help develop roadmaps that recognize where a health system is, where they're not, what steps can be skipped, how to resource it, how to sequence it, and you know, how, to make, how to really knit it together. So for sure, consumerism, uh, all things cost efficiency, you know, this notion of, of substituting capital for labor it's a really big deal, right? We as a as an industry, every year um, costs go up in a way that exceeds our nation's GDP. And, and really what that is, is uh, it's a function of the fact that we are still heavily labor-based. And we have to get better at leveraging these digital technologies in a way that lets us substitute the technology for labor. There's lots of jobs. We know that, right? There's a shortage of jobs. So this isn't about... This isn't about threatening that. It's really about um, helping ourselves being competitive, you know. And then, and then I think the last thing I'd say is there's just seismic shifts, you know, in 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 how we're all getting paid or will be paid. And it's more than just the shift of value. It's the, um, you know, it's the complexity of, um, you know, risk-based programs. It's the the constant pressure on on fee for service reimbursement, and 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 and. Um, um, you know, really getting getting good at understanding how do we deliver value is actually, you know, we talk about transformation. That's transformative work. Right. Um, okay, I, I need to add one more because it's it's always top of mind for me, but it's it's more important than ever. And this is this issue of burnout, you know, in our human our human capital. I mean, we with this pandemic, we've asked so much of people. I mean, it's just remarkable to me that you know we talk about heroes. I mean, really, our our healthcare workers are not just the clinicians, but the administrators and the people on the front line. I mean, it's been um, it's just been a, a crazy period, 
And, uh, and not surprisingly, we're seeing turnover, we're seeing burnout, we're seeing mental illness, we're seeing increased rates of suicide, you know, we're yeah. seeing, you know, downstream disease. And there are things that we can do to get at that. And, you know, we're, we're really committed, and, you know, across abundant to, um, to helping with that issue. Yeah, those are those are great uh, themes, and I think about it from a CEO perspective. And you know, one of the questions I was going to ask you is along the CEO perspective, but but the, they're the same. Those those broad themes that you just outlined for digital yeah. transformation and innovation, and that's what health systems are grappling with. So, Eric, what what would you suggest? So not everyone is a member of Avia yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's right. And, uh, obviously, it would be very beneficial, and I definitely endorse. Uh, Avia, because as you mentioned, you know, helping establish sort of that vision, that clarity of purpose, and then the roadmap, which is so important and making sure that you're getting value out of all those things. But let's just say you're you're out there and you can be a payer, because again, Digital Voices, our podcast, is really about payer, life sciences, everything. What what are two or three things that you might suggest that an organization do that's just found themselves like, oh my gosh, we do need to react. We do have new entrants. We've got Amazon in the midst. We've got retail limits, uh, what are two or three things that you would recommend uh, that they start really focusing on? Yeah, it's a great question, Ed. Um, you know, I, I'd say I, I'd start with, I'd start with this, you know, this idea, and you, you said it was embedded in your question, of you've got to act. You cannot stand still. You will run out of runway. You will run out of time. It will. It's going to sneak up on you. I don't think you know the barbarians are at. They're not at the gate. They're in the lobby, and we um, um, start acting with purpose. And and you know many many are. And what's really cool about this moment is is I think everybody gets the joke. So you know thing one is resource the work. It this work is so much less expensive, you know in the main than building a new bed tower. And, you know, think about the money that we have spent on, on um, capital, you know, CapEx over the years versus, you know, what we're spending, you know, in this new domain. And we've got to just think about, you know, we got to think about resourcing in an entirely different way, which then, you know, leads us to this idea of, well, how much should we spend? And what are the metrics? And how do we develop the business case? And, you know, of course, that's, that's you know ground zero. This is table stakes for Avia because we you know we need to lead our you know our health systems C suites and their boards through this decision making resource allocating you know allocation sort of discussion so that they you know they stand a chance to uh, to even being in the game and then competing. Then I would say you know focus on what really matters is is you know it's a it's a war for share. And it's a war for value. Look, you know, the payers have done very well, you know, on you know capturing the value yeah. front. So, you know, how can how can providers, you know, start to you know play in that game more, um, you know, more matter of factly. And then lastly, you know, we've um, we've distilled it in, in Avia, you know, at a really practical level because for us, it's you know, there's so much pie in the sky stuff, and you know, there's a lot of high level. Um, thinking and you use the word roadmap. I mean, we need a roadmap, right? We've we've got to we've got to develop um, the strategies with very purposeful moves 
that's going to help us win because this is a game of winning and it's almost a zero-sum game at this point. There'll be winners and losers. So we've distilled what we call the obvious four moves, you know, a version of consumerism, owning the on-ramp, move one. You know, you got to have access. You gotta, you've got to be virtual. You've got to own the consumer and meet them where they are. And then when you meet them, you know, move two is to deliver hyper-personalized care. Really know them, know me, help me, understand me, coordinate my care. Move number three is doubling down on specialty care. It, it's really it's leveraging the incumbent's advantage for the health systems, and doing it in a way that's smart because it's it's the lifeblood of the PL, and it's tougher for these new entrants to to compete on that front. So what are the what are those strategies and what are those moves that we can do to really ignite and double down on our specialty care business? And then the last piece is preparing for the new work because. This, you know, the building, buying, partnering, all of this domain is new. And, you know, um, you know, for example, data. I mean, Ed, you're you're you know, you've literally written the book on this, right? Yeah. The, the world of data and and for a health system to leverage its incumbent advantage to get its data house in order and use it in service of its, you know, patients objectives and its business objectives. It's actually it's it's complex, but it's also really straightforward. And, um, but you know, that requires a right, a right set of skills and, you know, a whole new, a whole new way of thinking about work that, um, by the way, that, you know, piece of advice, if, if, if the HR executive is not at the table included in this transformation discussion, rope them in really quickly because it's, it's a big part of it. Yeah, no, tons of, Tons of wisdom right there. I'm sure that our listeners will be playing uh, repeat on the last uh, couple minutes, Eric. Those were really insightful and very plain spoken uh, things, actions you can take to uh, really not only survive, call this period of time survival of the digitalist. So if you don't, if, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, if you don't, I'm going to use that. You know, yeah, digital tools and things. You're gonna you're gonna have a really rough time. And like you said. The uh, the competition is already here. It's it's not like you're you have advance warning anymore. Well, you know, my brother just um, uh, my brother just shared a quote with me. You know, in terms of the the digitalist, the um, you know, he's describing you know what's going on in every industry in every company everywhere is that roads are being cobblestone streets are being torn up, and, and you know new roads with electric vehicle charging stations are being put down, and it's it's a whole new infrastructure. And if we're not playing that game, we're, we're literally living with cobblestones and we know how that story is going to end. Yeah, no, that's good words of wisdom right there. And then, you know, something else that you mentioned, Eric, and I was going to share how I tried to solve for this where in one of the organizations where I serve was we were building a lot, a lot of brick and mortar. And I'm like, this is crazy. It might make sense for the next two years, but we have to think of ROI a lot further down. And what are we doing to make sure that we're prepared for you know, what's coming or what's here. And so I asked for 25% of the budget that's given to brick and mortar that we can invest in digital technology. So if we are building a bed tower, I saw someone else just announced a, a new hospital for $1.8 billion. I'm like, oh my gosh. But if you got 25% of that, oh, you know, you can- Imagine, 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 right? <laughs> Deloitte, so, Deloitte estimates by the year 2030, you know, inpatient bed days are going to be down 30%. Yeah, McKinsey yeah. just you know came out with a study saying two hundred fifty billion dollars worth of care can be delivered virtually, can be virtualized. Yeah. 
So take that, take that resource, rotate it and, and, and win, gain yeah. share. That was, so the uh, sort of mission statement or uh, more like a vision statement where I came from and I was in charge of digital strategy and led the development of our digital strategy. Uh, we put it like this, it was very simple, but it goes to the same, same sort of thinking and, and with the examples uh, that you gave of those studies from those consulting companies. And that is that uh, in 2025, so that's not very far away, and this was pre-COVID, in 2025, 50% of our visits would be virtual, 25% of our inpatient days would be at home. Right. So right. same sort of thinking. So all those inpatient days that you're counting on from a revenue perspective or filling beds and filling towers, 25% of them will be gone. You know, Ed, we are we are just helping with that. You know, first with the COVID and the CMS waiver and the extension of the waiver on reimbursement parity, payment parity for you know um, in-home care. Uh, it is it is fantastic what is happening in you know in that world. You look at what you know Brigham has built as an in you know in-home solution. I mean, on and on. Yeah. It's it's great, and our team is. I mean, you just talk to them about it, and they are so fired up, and they're helping now health systems just lay that out and get at it in a in a really compelling way. Yeah. So just on a on a, another question, Eric, on what you all are seeing out there in terms of let's, you know, we talked a lot of Uber themes. One of them was around, you know, sort of virtual care. And what are you seeing uh, health systems do today uh, in terms of virtual care, like the leading ones? Uh, what are they doing today? And uh, in, in, in that answer, you know, I'm trying to help some of our audience who, who haven't done much except for, you know, televideo because of COVID. Uh, but what should they be thinking about next? You know, ideally, again, they have a plan, they've got a roadmap, but let's just say some of our listeners, they just aren't there yet, but they know they need to do a couple of things. Uh, right. So what might those be? Well, it's, it, I'll speak in a way that's just very, very plain and, and sort of matter of fact, you know, virtual care, isn't just one thing, and you know, Ed, you're an expert in this, right? Is you've got to, you've got to be able to um, have a, you know, a physician registry, right? You've got to have a scheduling tool, you know, the scheduling tool has to work, you know, for existing patients in the EMR and patients who are maybe in your EMR, right? You've got to, you've got to knit multiple yeah. capabilities together in a way that's that's easy and seamless for the consumer. And I will, I will tell you, as a consumer of these. Of the health, you know, health, um, healthcare in this country. You know, we have, um, we as a family, we spend about half a million dollars a year on healthcare. I have a, a son who needs a heart transplant. I have a daughter with a genetic disorder, um, hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and you know, our experience of the ease of these tools still is very clunky. Yeah. And so, you know, it. Um, it, it's it's not just you know we're going to outsource this and and turn it on. There's there's a lot of workflow redesign. There's a lot of process change. It's it, maybe that maybe that's the punchline. And this is something we learned really early in the game of Avia. It's this is not about the technology. This is about readying your organization and your workflow, building the business case, putting the metrics in place, you know, communicating the change. Yeah. listening to your consumer, you know, I mean, that's stuff that we all know, but it's, it's tricky to do. Yeah, no, that's fundamental. That's a, that's great insights, Eric, because if there is a temptation, it goes back to the shiny bright object we've dealt with. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, I need a digital front door. I need this and that. 
But if you don't even have a position directory, like you, like you mentioned, or some of the basic components, you can't do the other things. So it's really about the fundamentals. So that's it what, is. you know, that, that's why I look at it. It's like, okay, get the fundamentals down, then you can start adding these things. It'll be easier, cheaper to add them once you have the framework, the fundamentals. Full yeah. Of and don't worry if, you know, it's on your EMR's roadmap. Don't worry. You know, because the technology itself, you can replace it in a year or two years or whenever right. it's turned on. Because the workflow and the, the human factors around all of this is where the work and the money is really going to be spent. Yeah. So get at it. That, yeah, and that's, that's the second point, which we'll have to cover on another podcast someday. But because you mentioned uh, workflow and workflow is king. And then uh, also clinician burnout. And, you know, we talked about that early in the conversation. And, and that could take a whole other episode. Yeah. But that's certainly... A lot of times we really focus on the patient, which we do appropriately to so, but when we talk digital transformation, we cannot forget the caregivers who are making it all happen and the impact to them. And so everything has to be you know, done in the appropriate workflow that actually reduces, de-accelerates burnout, not accelerates burnout. Right. And that's the paradox. That is our work. Yeah. So Eric, this has been a fabulous conversation. We covered so much both on the personal side and the, the book and the, the, such interesting insights uh, on the book and about wellness and wholeness. And then we spent the last 15 minutes or so really on this digital transformation. Is there anything else that you might want to share, Eric, that maybe I missed in the question or that we talked about but barely? Uh, I'll give you the last word. Oh, well, thanks for that. Ed. You know, I just I just read an amazing quote that that's still I'm still you know a little bit shook by it. So, absorb today, because it's the slowest that things are going to change forever. Absorb today, because it's the slowest that things are going to change forever. And that's yeah. that's just that's so daunting and exciting. What a moment! What a moment we're living in. And this work that we're doing for those of us in healthcare, the opportunity that we get to to lean in and have a small impact in whatever way, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. We I always consider ourselves blessed to be working serving in this industry and because what we do really uh, helps save people's lives and full, increase full stop. Yeah. So beautiful. Wow. Eric, this was awesome. I knew it would be. Thank you for being our guest. Oh, Ed, thank you. It's a, a great pleasure. All right, that wraps up this drop for this week. Join us next week, and we'll look forward to connecting with you again. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff and we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.